Hey. Hey there. <laughs> uh, we just wanted to thank everybody again for all the listens. Yeah. Um, we just crossed the 300 download mark. That's pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah. We're pretty excited about that. Yeah. Um, and just a quick reminder again that uh, that if you're liking and listening on a regular basis, as some of you are, um, please just uh, give us a rating on your podcast service, uh, whether that's uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever. Um, and, uh, and a comment would be awesome too. Um, Jess does an awesome job with our social media also. So you can contact us there. She'll <laughs> respond to you. <laughs> I do not, but I'm trying to learn. So. <laughs> All right, let's get on to the next episode. Here again. Yeah. You didn't say okay. <laughs> I did not say okay. I didn't say K. I didn't say we don't need to do that again. That's an old joke. I know. It's just that I'm so aware of it now. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. I uh, I'm like hyper aware, and then and then I think about what I'm saying too much, yeah. as opposed to just having our normal sacred spaces conversation yeah. like we're supposed <laughs> to be doing, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, on with the show, as they yeah. say. <laughs> so we're getting some great uh, interaction feedback from people, um, just in regards to some of the conversations we're having. And, oh yeah, um, yeah, it's been it's been really exciting to hear from people and how what their takeaways are from some of our conversations. Um, I think that's aside from having a conversation with you, that's probably one of my favorite parts is just to like keep engaged, especially. Right. We're all here at home, and you have fewer people in the world that you're talking to on a daily basis. Yeah, seriously. So I just, I really enjoy that. I enjoy the conversations after the show's air. Yeah. Um, that's so great. It's so great to be hearing that we're, that we're actually saying things that, that matter to people. Mm-hmm. You're having conversations that matter to people. Yeah. Um, and, uh. That's what we want to be doing. That's what we want to. Um, I mean, like you said, I'm glad. I'm glad you put me first. By the way, that, uh, that aside from having conversations with me, your favorite thing is getting feedback. Well, <laughs> yeah. so, Talking with you is still my favorite. Oh, so. oh I'm so special. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but now, like you're saying too. I, I mean, you and I have joked a lot about this, but you know, during stay at home and you know we're we're both more introverted um we can play the role of extrovert when we need to mm-hmm. but we yeah. are very much introverted we yeah. we like to be home we like to not be around a lot of people for no reason <laughs> you know um this is getting to be a long time yeah i mean you and i haven't had i haven't said this to you but it was just like as you just said that it kind of like just you know came across my mind that i'm like yeah i this is a long time away from people. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, even for an yeah. introverted person, this is getting to be a long time. Well, I think you just, uh, you get to decompress from, you know, work life. And I think we did that after yeah. the first week or so. But then you start to really want to have that ongoing rela- relationships that you're used to having on a daily basis. Um, even though we all get so excited when vacation times come up or the weekend comes up, I think um, we just 
realize how much our work environments play into the health of our daily lives. Um, Hopefully for most people, it's the health of their daily lives. I know that's not the case for everyone, but but I'm really feeling that uh, missing the relationships from work um, as part of my week. Well, it's part of the community that I think we're... um, that we're all in some way geared for. I mean, yeah. we're, I think there's a bit of our DNA that needs engagement and interaction. Mm-hmm. And we are very fortunate. We are very fortunate that we are, you know, in a home that is safe and yeah. that, that, you know, there's lots of love here. Um, there's lots of Asher. Lots of Asher. <laughs> it certainly makes things so amazing. Yeah, there is no um, not busy in this house yeah. with him around. So yeah. And I know not everybody has that yeah. same, um, that same blessing. You yeah. know. Um, and so I, you know, I even think about that a bit. Um, just, you know, and it's uh, it's tough. It's tough to think about. And I, I, you know, I. It, this really wasn't the topic of the day. But. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> um, but uh, but in this time, it's like I, I I do I do think it's so important to be safe and and to do the things that need to be done so that we get through this to their side and so that um, we can you know we can all beat this virus together, all that kind of stuff. But there's a whole other piece where. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful for people to be able to engage again and, yeah. you know, and, and that sort of thing. I don't know. It's that, it's that tearing that happens. Yeah. I mean, there's always a tearing, I think, on, on every side. But. And we've had some fun along the way. We played some uh, games online with some friends uh, on that Sunday. That was so much fun. It was so much fun. Yeah. And um, we've had some great, you know, Zoom calls with different people mm-hmm. throughout the week. And, um Finding ways to connect. Yeah, yeah. and I think in some ways it's been a little bit more intentional than usual because you just kind of take for granted your busy week and all the things you're doing. But um, but I think when you stop to Zoom with someone for a little bit, Mm -hmm. you you do get a little bit more intentional with it. Um, Well, and again, because it's the like like this podcast has been for you and I. It's been the intentional conversation. Mm -hmm. When you have those Zoom calls, it's it's intentionally connecting with somebody else. When's the last time we had a game night with friends when we could get together? Yeah. I mean, it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to remember, actually. Um, but to sit yeah. there online intentionally because we're in, you know, quarantine or, you know, right. not quarantine, but stay at home um, and all that, it was, there was something sweet about it. Yeah. So. And I'm up for it again. Anybody who wants to play whatever that game was we played. <laughs> Well, some knockoff version of Cards Against Humanity. Yeah, or yeah, something yeah. Like that. Yeah, that was a riot. So that's right. It was a lot. Yes, if that knockoff version wants to sponsor this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I um, don't know what it was. Yeah, I don't either. But it was a lot of fun. Okay, I have a drink sitting in front of me, and I that really you're not want drinking. to take a drink. Okay, of, but and we have I, to talk about it first. Yeah, and there's some like I I think I have a little funny story around this drink too. Oh, but no. uh, first of all, we're drinking Moscow Mules yeah. today. Me out of my copper mug. Uh, me out of a glass, because, like, metal on my teeth. <laughs> I know. I think it's so funny. You're drinking a Moscow Mule out of a glass glass. And yeah. I'm drinking out of a copper mug. And I'm like, I don't even know if this is uh, real it, It's almost like nails on a chalkboard to drink <laughs> out of those mugs. So, mm-hmm. Mm. A nice summery drink, you know. Yeah. So, even though today isn't so summery, but, uh, but it's not terrible either. Um, so, these copper mugs... 
were sent to sent to us from my mom. Remember this? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> and so, and I can't remember when she sent that. I don't even think it was a. I it it was, might have been a holiday or something. Anyway, I, I, I think it was, it was just Christmas, some like but... random gift, even you know. Okay, so my mom is uh, is she's not like uh, like okay, so she's she's pretty conservative, but she's not like against drinking or anything like that. Um, I would say that uh, you know she doesn't drink much herself, and certainly not now since her. Her transplants, you know, <laughs> so they kind of <laughs> recommend against that after your transplants. But she's not like against it, right? But at the same time, you know, she's not a she's she not doesn't a, promote it. She doesn't promote children. it. Yes, yes, that's good. That's good. Uh, you know, I've drank the occasional beers with my dad and things. Yeah, like that. Yeah, but you it's, and it's your sister that, tend to uh, when we all get we together, you tend to push her buttons. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do, and like intentionally because we think it's funny, um, and uh, you know, I don't think we were taking it too far <laughs> maybe we have anyway um so she sends us these uh these moscow mule mugs and uh and so i'm like really she sent us a hard alcohol a cocktail mug like, yeah know? not so, something she's ever done before. so I, I text her and i was like hey hey thanks for the we, well, we took a picture with the mug yeah so we're like, hey, like, thanks thanks for the the cocktail mugs you know and she's like Oh, you silly. You know, she texts me back. Those are ginger beer mugs. And I'm like, yeah, with, with vodka. vodka. <laughs> <laughs> I saved that text. I still have a screenshot of that text. Because <laughs> it's so great. And I'm like, yeah, with vodka. <laughs> so uh, anyway, these are always fun for me to pull out because I, I think of my poor mom, you know, thinking that she was sending me a... You know, uh, uh, a soda mug, and instead I dirty it up with hardened liquors. You know, yeah, so. Well. <laughs> no, I, I actually really I let I love having a drink in a special glass. Like when a drink belongs in a certain mug or glass. Yeah. I, I like that experience, um, and I can do this once in a while. But lately, um, it just it's like yeah, it's like metal against my teeth, and I just <laughs> well, I it's seriously, I'm like. I think these are copper-colored mugs. Well, yeah, are. I think they're actually stainless steel on the inside. But, yeah, maybe something like um, that. But, yeah, so I can only do it once in a while. But Yes. And I figured me, I'd be clanking it as I drank it here. Oh, right. Which you don't like me to make more sounds than right. <laughs> on these podcasts. Yeah, unnecessary sounds. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but uh, anyway. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. but we're, we're, yeah, we're enjoying some Moscow mules today. So a little vodka, a little ginger beer. And we use, you know... I think it's the Reed's ginger beer, which is oh yeah, really great. If Reed's would like to be a sponsor, <laughs> are we in need of sponsors? <laughs> like you keep mentioning it. Yes, well, you know, at some point, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so we're uh, we're down for the second podcast recording in our basement studio now, mm-hmm. and I think Sydney just put Asher to bed, so we. We shouldn't be hearing him, you know, <laughs> talking or, or whatever else. But um, uh, I thought we would continue my story from last time, if that sounds all right. Yeah, yeah. Because I was talking about my my faith journey, and 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 I just talked about it in phases. Mm-hmm. And I think I said four phases, even though now I'm like, I don't remember what the, all four of those phases were. So we'll see what happens with this. Um, but we just closed out on phase one, which is kind of like up through... Well, 18. I'm 18 mm-hmm. is where we cut it off. Yeah. So. Well, speaking of ages, yeah. uh, tomorrow is your birthday. Oh, It'll be uh, 
45. Yeah, I suppose so, huh? <laughs> yeah. Will I really be that old? Oh, yeah. Okay, you know what? <laughs> that old. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks. because yes, you're, you're a year older than me. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, and I skipped 45 because the whole year I was 45, I kept saying I was 46. So yeah. I didn't even get to enjoy you're 45. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, oh my God. I, I saw a Facebook post come up this morning, like a memory. Yeah. Of my 40th birthday. That's Yes, and it was five years ago, so I'm... Confident yeah, you were for whatever five. reason, I remembered it distinctly <laughs> last year. So I've been telling myself I'm going to be 41. <laughs> no, you know, you know what we were doing on your 40th birthday? We were celebrating with some friends at Perry Street Brewery, which we cannot do oh, this year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, soon enough. Anyway, yeah. enough about my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so especially since I just you know lost. Four years there, all just very quickly. But uh, and I, seriously, for whatever reason, had 41 in my head. Uh, for, it's not four <laughs> years. It's five, honey. 40 to 45. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I was thinking 41 to 45. Oh. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Okay, anyway, enough of this. Enough of this silliness. So let's pretend you're 18. Let's pretend like I was, well, I was 18 when right. the story shifts into the next phase. So, yeah. So, um, so we had just finished out, you know, Hawaii and, you know, all that. And that I was going to go stay with a friend. That's, yeah. yeah so, um, our friend Jimmy. And so, um, so just to dive right in, uh, yeah, Jimmy was, uh, he was living in Ogden, Utah with his family. And, uh, and I just asked if I could, if I could just come stay for a little bit. And I just said I had some, you know, some stuff I had to work out and, um, and he was like, sure. And I'm still not really sure why he said that, but I think that's just kind of what he did, you know? Um, and, uh, and so, um, I went and they set up a room for me in their basement and, and, uh, ended up, I don't remember how long I stayed with them. I mean, it wasn't, it was probably a few months because it was uh it was you went there in february yeah. well probably march i think this is when we left mm. um hawaii and then um we did a summer uh youth trip we did um that we were leaders on that summer so you stayed for a few months yeah for a couple of months Specifically, and then when the summer trip was over, you had moved to Arizona. Yeah. So, yeah. So at this time, I mean, my head's a mess because, again, I had um, known that I had royally offended God many times, and some things, you know, in some ways, just by not intending to, and in other ways, just by stupid mistakes that I had made, um, including where we talked about. Announcing that I was getting married to someone and you know, realizing that was, no, that was a horrible, horrible decision. And um, and just to clarify, you felt like you were offending God. You wouldn't actually say that you had offended God now. No, I wouldn't. No, I, I'm speaking from the tense of that time, of how yeah. I felt at that time. But yeah, I, I no, I, I mean, yeah, where, where I'm at today, I, I do think is in a... Very different place. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at that time, that is very much how I felt. Like, 
like God was like I was at the very rock bottom. Like I could not get any lower than that. Um, that's what I felt like, um, and that um, that I had just again made a horrible mess out of everything. And then I had, you know, gone to Hawaii, had gone and spent a couple months in the Philippines to to be this missionary, to be this you know to to do the Lord's work, you know, to um, to discover you know his his specific plan for my life. You know, we talked about that, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, and so, you know, I come back and I'm, I'm in, you know, Ogden, Utah and, you know, staying in a, in, in a friend's basement, a mentor's basement thinking that it's just all done. It's all gone. I'm, I have, I've just completely fucked it all up completely. And there's just, there's nothing left anymore. And I think you had the mind frame that, okay, I got to put all of life on hold to fix this mm-hmm. thing going on with me before I can move forward. Can't go back home. Right. And not that you couldn't go back home. Your family wasn't saying you couldn't go back home. It wasn't anything like that. It was just that you yeah. felt like uh, if I'm if I'm going to get me figured out, we're putting a hold on everything and I'm going to go get this figured out. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I remember there was this little coffee shop you know, close to Jimmy's house and, and he would go up there and, you know, spend time every day. And, and so I would oftentimes go with him and we would just sit there and read or write or whatever. And mm-hmm. then, and then a lot of times we'd get into that was conversations. Before coffee shops were cool. Yeah. And this is in Utah, Utah. of all places. <laughs> Because it was it was close to the Weber State campus, so it was yeah. you know a lot of college kids in there and, and things like that. Um, yeah, it really was. It was it was we were ahead of the time, mm-hmm. and so um, so you know one of the things that that Jimmy used to do is he used to just write down these questions that he had, like these theological questions, right? Um, and he had this just this list of questions and he didn't bother writing down any answers. He just wrote, he just had this notebook and it was just full of questions. And so it was just question after question after question after question. And, and it was everything. I mean, like anything that popped into his mind that he thought was different or odd or strange about, you know, Christianity or about the Bible or about faith in general or whatever, he would just write it, write it down in his book. And then he'd go through and he had like, hundreds of these questions and I'm like you know I'm like are you ever going to answer any of these he's like I don't know I I just like the questions I just you know I just think they're interesting questions you know and and um I was like man that's just so it's so wild I mean like you know there's good answers for these things and and so you know we would start we would talk about that a lot and me and all of my 18 year old wisdom you know would try to answer his questions for him and, you know, and he would just smile at me. I mean, he was very wise and he was very, um, and he was very gentle with me in that time. <laughs> um, but, uh, I do remember this one particular conversation we had where I was going into like how I had just failed, um, so monumentally and, you know, just that I had taken all this gift of God, this, you know, this calling of God. And I was just throwing out all of these Mm -hmm. Christianese terms, you know, all this Christian lingo, all these Christian uh, terms. And I was just kind of just throwing them out there all over the place. And at one point in time, he's just like, okay, hang on. And and after one particular thing I said, I don't even remember exactly what it was I said. And he's like, why are you saying that? (laughs) And I said, well, 
because that's the way it is. And he's like, who said? <laughs> and I'm like, well, it says it in the Bible, you know, and and he's like, where? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, ah, Jesus, you got you to do that to me, <laughs> you know? And so, so I kind of go digging in and trying to find it like this. And I realized I was like, what I was talking about, I, I didn't have any basis for it. Like, I, I don't know where I had picked up this idea. Like, I couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't find a Bible passage for it. I couldn't think about where or whatever else. And I'm like, and I'm in, and so after a while, I'm like, I, I don't know where I got that idea. I just, I just know that's what everybody <laughs> says. And he's like, well, maybe everybody is wrong, you know? And mm. that like clicked something on in my brain. And, um, and so then I started a list of my own questions. Like, where did I get this idea? Where did, where did this thought come from? Where did this belief come from? Where did the, is this really the way it is? Or is it really that way? Da, 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 you know, whatever else. And, and, and what you started I, mailing it to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not email. Yes. Well, you know. Mail. Or fax. I think you faxed We faxed a lot. Yeah, but faxing cost money, you know. So I had to Snail use mail. my faxes yeah. sparingly. <laughs> but Jimmy had a fax in his house. And we would, we would fax things to each other once in a while. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, this was, I mean, geez, what was this, 26, 27 years ago now? 26 years? Ago. Yeah, something like that. And so, um, uh, yeah, you, you and I were communicating a lot during this time. I mean, you know, not much by phone calls or anything because a long distance. Um, and I didn't have a job and any money. So, <laughs> okay, you want to hear a little secret? Yeah. I don't know if I've told you this before. Oh, oh, great. Yeah, but uh, I when we left Hawaii, I knew you were in Utah with Jimmy, and um, there were times, okay, there there were no cell phones at that time, so this was no, landline, not. and we, uh, I would, I, it would cost money to make a long-distance phone call, uh, a lot of money, actually, so you yeah. couldn't talk very long even if you got through. But I would uh, call, and if you didn't answer, I would just hang up. You would? Yeah. Because <laughs> there's here, no caller ID. No, here, no. Yeah. Because here's why. Because I I was very much in that very, you know, proper thing. So for a girl to call a guy felt very <laughs> improper. So if I had to, if I was calling and telling Jimmy or Lisa that I was calling for you, I felt like that was... Very forward, and um, and so if yeah, if you didn't answer, I would just you hang would up. Just hang up. That's <laughs> so a lot great. of hangups during that time. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. I didn't know that. Yeah. You haven't told me that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There is a whole. There's a whole story about. There's a. Us. Yeah, there's a whole little. <laughs> tangent story that's yeah. running alongside Side of this one. Fun, yeah. We'll have to tell that story at some point in time, mm-hmm. too. Because I think that story is so much fun. Um, yeah. But, uh, but... Anyway, I just yes. had to throw that in because you... No, yeah. that's great. That's great. Because there was. There was lots of letters that were being written. There was, you know, faxes. There was the occasional phone call once yeah. in a while. That kind of thing where we were... And I was... I was sharing with you all of these things yeah. that I was discovering. Which was really exciting. I mean, it made for some very rich conversation for sure. Well, it was it was it was opening up my whole belief system, which mm-hmm. um you know, I had uh 
up until that point, I had been just a sponge, just kind of soaking in whatever had been fed to me, right? Um, and I just took it. I mean, that's just the way it was, you mm-hmm. know? Even when things went horribly wrong or even when things didn't make sense or even mm-hmm. when things, like, I just couldn't understand it, well, then it was just that. Well, then you you dig in even harder. You just got to have more faith for that then. And this was the first time when I had somebody sitting there across the table from me saying, maybe it isn't about having more faith. Maybe it's you're not thinking the right thing, you know? Um, maybe... And giving you permission to actually ask questions. Yeah. And say, it's okay to not have the answer. Yeah. It's okay to ask the question because it's a valid question. Or even if it's not a valid question, it's just, it's okay. Yeah. Um, and so that got me started on this whole journey then of reading the Bible. And then anytime I came across something that sparked a question or sparked a thought, I would just stop in my reading and I would just like, I guess, journal, mm-hmm. you know, and I would just write about that. I'd write about the question and write about what I was thinking at that time. I'd write about what was going on in the pattern. I'd write about, hey, what does this mean for this? Or, you know, if this is the case, how does that play out over here? And, you know, I started going through all of that. And, um, and I was like, filling up notebooks. I mean, I'd like just, and funny enough, reading very little of the Bible <laughs> because it was like what, once you get started on these questions, it was just, I mean, the questions just came more and more mm. and the thoughts came more and more. And so, um, but that, that like kicked in this whole other element of my faith journey, um, which was, the exploration phase. So the, I think the the first phase of my life was very much me growing up and just kind of accepting, accepting everything that was given oh, to gotcha. me. Okay. Um, yeah. And trying to experience it for sure, you know, but, um, but you know, with all the, 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 the experiential failures, you know, and, and translating that into, you know, I've upset God in some way. Then it became like this discovery thing. Well, then then I needed to know more about God then. Because if I got some things wrong, then I need to know about God more. And if I can if I can learn and establish this solid picture of who God really is then, well, then I wouldn't be running up against these. I wouldn't be inadvertent or unintentionally failing him, right? Um, and so... But at this point in time, it was still very much from, you know, we talked about from my, you know, my charismatic upbringing. That was still very much a part of this. I hadn't really begun questioning a whole lot of, of that or even really, even really realizing that there was a different way to have Christianity. Well, I, and I'm, as you're talking, I'm thinking about something that happened on a regular basis, which I think you were very accustomed to. It was new to me uh, or this way was new to me, um, but it was, okay, God wants to speak to me today. I've decided that somehow. Right. But right. God wants to speak to me today, so I'm just going to open up my Bible, and I'm going to point, and that's mm-hmm. what he has to say to me. And we have to make that passage in Leviticus mean something about right. my day today. Right. Like, and I think you get into that habit of just allowing it to be whatever you want it to be mm-hmm. or whatever you need it to be. And so I think your question asking process was saying, 
okay, there's something more to be said here or more to be understood here than just pointing at a verse or the passage I read today suddenly means something for someone or for myself. Um, It's almost like that, you know, roll the dice kind of faith. I'm going to see what happens today and make it work. Um, Yeah. So that that kicked in um, a... Again, this discovery phase, right? This um, this seeking phase of my faith, where then I really, I really wanted to build up solid answers for myself. Um, I wanted to say, well, if I have believed things that that were possibly untrue, mm-hmm. right? Just because someone else had told me that's the way it is. I needed to be more certain about what it was that I believed. And so the, this quest for certainty kind of began in that time. Because ultimately what you were saying to yourself was, I've been doing it this way for 18 years. Something's not working. Right. i yeah. got to figure out a different way to approach this God thing. Right. And so this was the, the, the next journey and, to that. And what I began to find in that is like this, this security like the security of that I can point to something and say, this is why I believe this is true, as opposed to, well, I just believe it because I have faith, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well, I just believe because that's what I believe, you know, kind of thing. It was this, again, it was this, like I could, I could touch it. I could put my finger on a Bible passage and say, that's why I believe it because it says it right there in the Bible. Now, that was incredibly immature and ignorant of me. <laughs> you know? um, but in the in the moment, it it felt secure. And I felt in that in that time that I spent in in Utah with Jimmy, I felt like I had been like this this little like Asher flailing around mm-hmm. in his bed and then somebody just came and wrapped me up in a blanket. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, like all of a sudden I just felt okay. Like I, I felt okay. And I think that in observation that this new process for you relieved a lot of shame. So there was, um, instead of approaching mm-hmm. your relationship with God based on acceptance or approval or disapproval or any kind of level of shame within that, it moved into a knowledge, a knowing. Um, so. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think there was a, I, th- I think the shame thing is inherently built into most modern day Christianity today. Yeah. It just kind of presents itself differently. And I think it began to morph a bit because it was, it, it went from being an um, an external shame of I have done these things, therefore I am I should be ashamed. To this internal thing that it's who I am, that I'm flawed as a as a human being. I'm unworthy mm-hmm. because that's what began to kind of grow out of this seeking phase. Is this well? We're all broken. We're all sinful. We're all, you know, whereas that was there before, 
but it kind of became a focus now. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I've, I've done, I've made these bad decisions. I've done these bad things because I'm inherently bad. And so, um, so the anchors that I was grabbing onto were things that I could say that, um, that I could almost whip myself with to not do the bad things, right? Because I have to beat that into submission, that part of me into submission so that I can, um, so that I can live in a way that is honoring to God as opposed to, um, as opposed to this arbitrary kind of thing of, is God going to talk to me today or something like right. that? Right. Does and that I make that, sense? Is yeah. That... And I guess that was the level of shame that I was referring to was this, you were chasing after, does, is God ever going to talk to me? Am I worthy of him mm-hmm. talking to me? And the ways that you had understood were signs that God was paying attention to you. And so this moved you into, but I can know God. I can know things now. And so that that need to have that experience that you were looking for in Hawaii um, really at least externally got put on the back burner. You weren't looking for being slain in the spirit or any of those things like you had before. So I guess that's the, I mean, I realize shame can cover a lot of categories and, um, and worthiness and all of that. But I think this was one area where you were able to, kind of let go of that need to have that uh, corporate or group environment of experiencing God accepting you, God approving of you. So to kind of fast forward a bit. um, And again, it's fast forwarding through a really fun story of you and I developing in this time. But we're going to fast forward through all of that to we are now married. Okay. It's not that fast. It was only a year later. It did happen very quickly. <laughs> Less than a year later. Yeah, Ooh. you're right. You're right. It was. Um, anyway, to and, and in this, we had done a, you know, a, a short-term mission trip in Utah with a group of kids, and we had served on that together. Mm-hmm. We had discovered To evangelize that, the Mormons. To evangelize the Mormons, because God knows they needed saving. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying it ridiculously like, no, to make a ridiculous point. There are so many things about that trip specifically yeah. that, uh, yeah. And nothing but to this do, is yeah. part of it, though, is that what was morphing me in this time was this, this becoming more and more certain of my certainty. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, I was, I was giving myself a platform to be able to argue oh. why what I believe was right and what you believe is wrong. That's what began morphing yeah. out of this. Because I am, <laughs> I, I have been, I don't think I'm this way as much anymore. I have been given in my life to pendulum swings. Mm. <laughs> and just one side to another. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like mine have been kind of aggressive because I've You're a very passionate lived, person. Yeah, so and I've you... lived much of my life wanting to please God. So it was yeah. like, if I could please him over here, well then I'd run over there. And if I, oh wait, that's not it. It's over here. And I'd run over there. And it was just this back and forth. Yeah. Of, and this was part of that is that I was, I got really good at arguing with Mormons mm-hmm. about why 
you know, my views of God were superior to their views of God and why their views of God were so fundamentally flawed, they were still going to burn in hell, yeah. you know? I mean, it was, yeah, it was sick, mm-hmm. you know? It, I remember one specific um, day that we were out in, it was, I think it was a park or something, and I remember you were there and Michael Thompson, and um, and I remember a, a debate going on with... Uh, someone of the Mormon faith with, I think it was you and Michael Thompson. And, man, I just remember, Michael is like this brilliantly smart person. so smart. So He just like outthinks everybody. Ended up being an MIT graduate. Like he just, his brain is just wired for smart, right? And, uh, And I just remember walking away from that going, one, I'm not sure how I feel about a, like, debating it, you know, at this level, like it was a, it was a checkpoint, nothing, not that somebody did anything wrong. It was just an internal thing. Like, do I like this? Is this resonating with my spirit? But the other was, I'm never going to be smart enough to do this. <laughs> like you just realize, okay, I'm going to have to just keep learning to be able to win the argument because that's what it was about. Yeah. It was about winning the argument winning the debate yeah and I, it was in that moment I remember thinking um, you know I would have to go to seminary yeah and and for <laughs> me I um, I was finding such meaning in this such security mm-hmm. for myself like I felt like I, I wasn't like I actually like I said, I could put my hand to something. Mm-hmm. Um, that there was something, and it's so funny because again, it's just arguments. But it was like they were concrete to me. Yeah, like they were just black and white. This is how it is. And so, phase two was, you know, going through the questioning phase of everything with Jimmy. That morphed into phase three, which. Um, you were instrumental in, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure I was. <laughs> I know you're not proud of that, no. but you were. <laughs> you know, I think you have to do um, the pendulum swing sometimes. I think it's part of the process, but... Um, and yeah. your dad was very instrumental in, too. And that was um, that was saying, well, you think you're getting some answers to some things now. Because you're asking some questions. Yeah. How about, about. we dive into the original text. <laughs> I'm doing air quotes here. The original text. And, you know, and so your dad started getting into, you know, parsing Greek terms with me and, and mm-hmm. you know, Greek language construction and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, he was searching for this concrete certainty himself. He had just been doing that like his entire life. Like, I mean, when he talks about, you know, when he talked about his faith journey, that was his entire life was was with people who had had these, like, who had, who had presented to him these concrete mm-hmm. certainties when so much of Christianity is built around faith and, um, and, and, and things that you can't actually put your finger on, right? It's these ideas, it's these spiritual things, it's all of that. 
and what they presented to him and then what he presented to you and then you mm-hmm. guys presented to me and yeah. it was this whole shift was this thing of saying, yes, 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 there's faith, but there's also these very concrete things. And that came through the language. That came through the breaking apart of, of you know, again, you know, Greek words and, and uh, interpretations of it and... and um, and and sentence structure, and so he would mm-hmm. he would use words I've never heard before <laughs> in, in conjugating verbs and all this kind of stuff, um, and and again I I know that one this is this is all that he had this is what he'd been given in the beginning it's what he carried for he was doing the best he could with it, but I still I look at all that now today and I'm like it it's all a bunch of bullshit because. Because when when you talk about the original languages and all of that, I think the thing that we don't pay any attention to is that that one, let's just take the Gospels, for instance, they were written in Greek and Jesus didn't even, I mean, Jesus spoke Aramaic, right? And so he's speaking in one language. This has all been being recorded in a different language, Greek, different from Aramaic in which he spoke it. And then we're now trying to conjugate verbs and to find the real meaning when it wasn't even the language it was written in in the first place. Not to mention, I mean, some of those, I mean, there were some educated people that, but some of the ones who penned out the scriptures were like... Fishermen? Uneducated fishermen. Like <laughs> like people that, that, that didn't finish school, you know, stuff like that. And well, to, they were the were the ones who were following Christ, which were not the ones who had actually finished school. Right. I mean, like he specifically chose these to walk with him and to right. follow him. Right. So the 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 thing is that could be a whole nother podcast in talking yes, it about could, it that. Totally I mean, isn't could that be. really what seminary it totally is, could right? Be. Yes. Um, but I think that that's kind of the point that you're trying to make is that. Um, We've been in this era for a long time with Christianity that develops a great amount of potent or um, security or um, understanding of God based on what we call f- uh, facts or not or just knowledge, and um, and I think that that felt really safe for you. Coming from something yeah. that was not like that, um, so yeah, it might have been a pendulum swing, but I think it was the necessary pendulum swing for you. Like you needed to go to that side of understanding God, um, because it, there was quite an absence of that way. Not that there wasn't knowledge in what you uh, understood growing up. But not in, at this level of parsing right. language, right? right? So I think it was a process that... Um, it was this huge shift for me. Yeah. To go from everything is about trying to find out what God wants or, or, or to, you know, to understand the, the mystery of spirituality and all the, the, you know, the things that go with that into this thing of saying, no, you can know some absolute concrete facts right. here it felt like being i i'm guessing i'm going to put words in your mouth here for a minute like being in this 
sand environment, mm-hmm. you know, walking on sand where you kind of have to shift through a little bit to actually walking on concrete where you were like, yes, yeah. this is what it is. And, and I know where my footing is going to be. And, and so there was, there was not that either one of those in and of themselves are wrong. Um, I mean, we could have a conversation on that, right. but, but the feeling that I think you were experiencing was some of that it just felt kind of like, well, this could be a lot of things and everybody's experiencing something a little bit different. And, and then you had to interpret what those experiences meant and how, um, how much that meant they got approved of you or didn't approve of you or accepted you or anointed you or, you know, all of those things yeah. that go with it to, no, we're kind of all equals in this knowledge thing. We just, the more knowledge we have, the more holy I am, where the more experiences you had, the more holy you were. I mean, it was just two different measuring sticks, I think. And the- the concrete is what you experienced. Oh yeah. Your entire life. Yeah. That was the environment that I had grown up with and uh, as far as understanding how we interpret and understand what is written there. Um, that it has to go back to this language. And if you do it any other way, you're right. just putting whatever you want in there. So for me, there is such security in that at that time. But my the one thing my dad did let us do in all of that of wherever he was at with his theology was that he always let us continue to ask those questions. So moving from Jimmy into that atmosphere, you were still allowed to ask questions. You were still allowed to move yes. that process. You were just being given a tool in which to answer those questions with. A, a tool that came with theology bent. You know, whatever his uh, idea of what that meant. Yeah. That interpretation. Yeah. The, the thing is, is that there was this, what came with the certainty element mm-hmm. and, and getting the more and more concrete answers um, is that is that I became more and more convinced that what I believed was right and what someone else with opposing beliefs or different beliefs believed mm-hmm. was wrong. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just that we had two different approaches to the same thing. It wasn't that we were just coming at it from two gotcha. different angles. It was that what I believe is correct because I can base it on the authority of God's yeah. word, yeah. on the Holy Scriptures, and you cannot, you mm-hmm. know, because your interpretation is incorrect. It's wrong because you haven't learned the right way mm-hmm. to interpret. And so you are not just mistaken. You don't just have a different opinion. Um, you don't believe the right things. And because uh, you don't believe the right you things, to heaven. you're not going to go to heaven. Yeah. No, we've had those, fact, those conversations with people. Yeah, absolutely. had that conversation with my dad for crying out loud. Yeah. I remember that. I mean, my my dad and I, we had moved back to Idaho to do construction, you know, my start a construction company with my dad. And I'm on a rooftop with my dad, and I'm literally fucking telling him that I'll know I've done my job right when everyone in this town hates me. And he's like, mm-hmm. what? What are you talking about? As should be the response yeah. to that. And I'm like, well, that's what Jesus said. He said that if they if they hated me, they will hate you. And so, therefore, I'll know if I'm doing my job because they'll all hate me. Because that's what Jesus said. 
<laughs> and then sounds like some <laughs> shit we're listening to lately in, <laughs> in the global <laughs> right, 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 and you know, and 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 then going on to you know to explain to my dad that his belief system is so far off track that sometimes I'm concerned that they're yeah. even saved at all. You know, um, he was pretty concerned if you were in that moment too. <laughs> yeah, well, he said so, <laughs> which was you know kind of my dad's way of of responding to conflict. <laughs> um, but it was this. I mean, again, I'm this at this point. I'm this fucking 19 year old kid. Tell yeah, I was 19 years old. Uh, we had oh both wait, girls. I was older than that. Yeah, wasn't we I? had both girls by that. I was in my early 20 year old kid, <laughs> my early 20s. I was still a kid. With two kids. With two kids. I don't want to offend any 20-year-olds out there. I was very much a child still at this point (laughs) in my reasoning. Um, And telling my dad that I thought he was going to hell because he didn't believe exactly the same way that I did. You know? Um, That's phase three. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's full-blown phase three. And we were listening to Bible teachers and we didn't we didn't go to any church that didn't preach God's word and you know and and you know and didn't interpret it correctly and we weren't in and I had completely divorced myself of this you know charismatic practice and mm-hmm. you know experiencing God is it's just a, a lie from the devil you know and it's because it's all about you got to know God and you got you can only know him through his word and oh my God I mean, just the the um, the complete and total um, narcissism that you get wrapped up in in that kind of, of belief system, right? Um, where where you're just the only one that knows. You're the only one that knows. Everybody else is idiots, you know. And and you know, luckily for you know people that we were involved with. I got my first job as a pastor like that, you know, coming in with that kind of belief system. Well, um, I, okay, I have to say, though. I was going to temper it in just a okay. second. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm trying I'll to make a point keep here, drinking though. drinking and listening. <laughs> I am, I'm trying to make a point. I think you know the point that I'm making. Okay. I don't um, know where you're going today. <laughs> great. <laughs> um, anyway, um, now, yes, there. the saving grace was... That you and I somehow had maintained this tempering, I guess, that even though that's what you and I were preaching, right? Now, you weren't preaching it in a church because you weren't allowed to. But <laughs> I would have um, sent myself to hell for that. <laughs> we were we were preaching to anybody that would listen to yeah. us, and sometimes publicly, right? That uh, you know this hardened kind of black or white kind of place. Yeah. But we were living really, truly, deeply loving our community, relational, loving our church family, loving the kids that were in our youth group. You know, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, because I think even no matter what your your doctrines are based on, like where that's coming from, um, you still filter it through the value, your personal values. And one of our highest values has always been 
relationship and community. And no matter where we've been or what we've done, right. those have been um, forefront things for us. In fact, in our quest to be missionaries or serve God, it was all based on community, based on relationships. Yeah. So we lived by this motto. We've heard it said by multiple people, so I don't know who to give its true attribution to, but um, was that they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. I think it was uh, Theodore Roosevelt. But it was uh, this idea that we're going to pile in all that information and all of that knowledge, and we're going to come to our own convictions about how Scripture is interpreted and what we believe about God. But we really, aside from a few relationships that we would get into actual conversations like you did with your dad, we would move forward with relationship first and if it made sense to bring in the knowledge and what we know Mm -hmm. (laughs) air quotes Mm -hmm. um then we would bring that in but it was more we put that more as a foundational part of who we were but not the experiential part of being in relationship with us so i think that was the tempering that we had yeah looking back on it now i'm just convinced that we were more confessing what we believed as opposed to deeply, truly believing it. Yeah, because I think we were always in conflict. Yeah. And I, and I think that's kind of what shines through that is that you, you looking back, and I think it's only in hindsight, you can look back and you can see what you truly believed through that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think those beliefs, funny enough, are the beliefs that we still hold to today. That people matter. Mm. That um, the relationships matter. That, um, and, and even though I was, I was trying to be an authority in religion, I was trying to be a good pastor, a teacher, a preacher, all those kinds of things, um, I was trying to do my part in evangelizing, you know. Mostly I just evangelized other Christians by arguing with them. Well, it had been, you had been accused of, um, you know, uh, basically pulling someone out of the faith and then yeah. re-evangelizing yes. them. So, <laughs> Dave gave me that. <laughs> Dave, the, the first pastor who ever hired me. I would, I would sure go meet like, with a, I go have coffee with a youth group kid, and I, and I would say, "So tell me about your faith. You consider yourself to be a Christian?" And be like, "Yeah." And I'd say, "Why?" And they'd say, "Well, I believe this and this and this and this." And I'd say, "So do you act like that?" And they'd be like, "No." And I'm like, "Well, then why do you say you believe it?" And they'd be like, "I don't know. Maybe I don't believe it. Maybe I'm not a Christian at all." And I'm like, "That's a good place to start." <laughs> And then they'd go home and tell their families, and their families would freak the fuck out because they're like, what the hell did your youth pastor just do? And they'd call up Dave, who was my boss, and Dave would come to me, and he's like, uh, last time I checked, you were supposed to be saving kids, not unsaving them. So I always had it broken anyway. Yeah. But, um, but again, I think that's... I think that's part of the thing is that we, you know, looking back, that's what you see. What well, looking back, you say, "Oh, that's what we believed. Yeah. Oh, that's what we held on to. Oh, that's what mattered to us in that time." And it, it wasn't all the 
doctrinal statements. It wasn't all the things, you know, the sermons I wrote and preached. Right. And it wasn't the books that I read and, and, you know, verbally agreed to. It wasn't my professions of faith. It wasn't all of that. It's like there was this other thing that was going on. It was like, that's what we believed. And, and that, I don't know where that came from. You know, I, th- um, I think that faith at that time, or at least the environment where you're in, you were supposed to land. You know, you were yeah. supposed to land on a belief. And then growth meant that you learned more knowledge about that landing. And you became more evangelical in terms of, you know, bringing people to saving grace, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Where the idea of evolving in your faith, in what you believe, really wasn't an option. That meant you didn't know what you believed. So we had to land somewhere or we weren't anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think there was this, there, there was even like a, a pressure to land mm-hmm. too. Yeah, that's what like I'm saying. A, a professor, a, uh, a pressure to make a stand on something, you know, to, again, to write your, your own personal doctrinal statement. These yeah. are the things, your own creed. This is what we believe. This is what we stand for in our family. This is the belief system that we would live and die on. Um, but what I was going to say is that I, you know, looking back and seeing this other thread that was flowing through there, and it's like, I don't, I don't know where that came from. Um, other than I see it, the same thread playing out in people who choose to just love all the time. People who profess Christianity, people who don't profess Christianity, people who profess other religions or no religion or atheism or whatever else it might be. When I look back, there was this thread that was flowing through that was just apart from all of that. And it was simply about love. And that has been consistent for you and I, um, I would say together since the day we met you can see that thread. Mm-hmm. And when I look prior to that, I can see it flowing through my life even then. Mm-hmm. Because there was something in me that got turned on to this way early on that I just wanted to love people. Um, and so I think way back to when I was a little kid and you know, I don't know where it came from, whatever, but I had this little plastic bread loaf piggy bank thing and it had this little stand-up card with it and you were supposed to drop your coins in there and it had this little picture of this African child that was starving and in in this little loaf of bread you fill it up full of money and send it to go help you know one one of those kinds of things but I remember just sitting there staring at that picture and just at this super little young age just like bawling my eyeballs out thinking about somebody not having enough food to eat, you know? Um, That's that thread of love. Um, 
I haven't really thought about this before. When I look today, that is, that is what our entire focus is though, is that thread. And, and I don't think it's something that we've taken on in this latest phase of our faith development or our faith shift or whatever else. I think it's the thing that has always been there for you and I. And it's the one thing that's been consistent no matter what our professed belief systems have been. And it's now the thing that we're saying, this is the only thing that matters. I would even say that that was uh, the source of conflict for us with theology. Was that when the yeah. th- when the doctrines, when the statements of belief, when the creed, all of those things could not make room for that? Yes, when they choked that flow. Right. That's when uh, we were okay with letting go of something that we believed. Um, we saw that in. Uh, other people, other clergy, yeah, um, working in our community, that um, or a new clergy that was being raised up within our church or whatever that um, showed such an ugly side of a doctrine-based, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, interaction with people that that actually had no, had no had no love for the community. Those things we quickly went. I don't want a part of that. I if that's what that looks like. I'm done. Yeah. And I mean, we, we had that with one specific um, pastor who took over for... That was a moment di- in time for Yeah. That was like a distinct moment yeah. for us. Because what we thought we were looking for in a replacement pastor um, was we got what we were looking for in, in terms of theology. We got what we thought we were looking right, for. Right, right. But it, it, on paper, we got mm-hmm. what we were looking for. And what actually played out was something quite dark. And was uh, quite hurtful to the community um, and, and landed us in making an ultimate decision to walk away from that. Yeah. Um, which I think, I think we left our John MacArthur books behind on that one when we moved yeah. away from the community and left that situation. John MacArthur was kind of the king of all that for us. Right. At that time, it was for yeah. this pastor, too. And... Um, and I think that in that moment we said, I can let go of that because this is ugly. Well, not quite yet we didn't. There was one other thing that happened. Yeah. But that is it, it, it was definitely, the phase four shift. Right. And, but um, I think it was the first time we could actually say, if that's what this looks like, I don't want it. Yeah. Yes. Um we didn't know that where that was going to land us next, right. but yeah. Right. Um, but anyway, I like I said, I think, I think I, I think I want to have a conversation just about that. Okay. Um, because there's a there's a whole shift that happens in that time that um, that has led us more to where we're at right now. Oh, to our heresy. <laughs> Right. And uh, and also has and also did away with all phases. 
Um, yeah. That we're just, we're, we're kind of done with phases now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's a complete shift of everything in our thinking and our approach to everything. Um, but let's, I, I think that's a, that's a big conversation all by itself. Um, and uh, so we should have that next time. Okay. If you're down for that. Yeah. <laughs> so you haven't even, you've only got halfway through your Moscow mule. So have I. It must have been a pretty intense conversation. We hardly, we hardly drank our mules. Well, and you might just have to push stop and then restart and we'll finish oh. part, part two of the Moscow mule. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got yeah. it. We'll see if that happens. <laughs> They'll never know. <laughs> um, so anyway, again, I think that's a, um, yeah, this is, this is good for me because I haven't talked about this in a long time. Not, not in this way, not in an overview. I mean, yeah. we've talked things through in the process all along the way, but not with a, a looking back and... Yeah. Yeah. All right, good. Okay. Okay. Oh, dang it, I just did it. Okay. <laughs> See you next time. See you next time.